Hey everyone, James here with just a quick announcement. The podcast is now going to air on Mondays instead of Sundays. That just works better for my schedule and gives me more time to make sure I'm delivering a great show for you week after week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show today. You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. I'm James Garcia, and on this show, I talk to photographers around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week, I'm chatting with Canadian photographer Dave DeBearmaker. Dave and I actually met at the Oregon Toy Photo Safari this past year, where he'd driven all the way from his home in North Carolina. He and I hit it off, and I invited him onto the podcast. That was back in May. Since that invite, Dave has become a regular contributor to the blog, writing insightful articles, helpful tutorials, and honest Lego reviews. I'm glad that I finally got him onto the show. He and I had a great chat, and you'll actually be hearing more of him on the podcast soon. But until then, here's our interview. I hope you enjoy it. So Dave, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. We talked about having you on the show back in, what was it, May with the Oregon Toy Photo Safari. So I'm glad that uh, everything finally worked out schedule-wise and we're able to have you on the show. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Before we jump into all the toy photography related stuff, I got to ask my uh, first question, which is, of course, how did you first get into photography? Um, I got into it mainly as to take photos of a trip that I took to Honduras, mainly just snapshots and stuff. Hmm. That was back in 2004 or so. And then uh, in 2012, my wife started working on this scavenger hunt thing uh, online where she was taking pictures for, uh, for a kind of a an online community. And I kind of got interested. So I started playing along hmm. and that's kind of snowballed into where I am now. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the scavenger hunts because I know that you You've been doing them consistently now since then. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've uh, my first one was in 2012, and I've missed a few here and there, but I've been pretty much doing them all consistently since then. They happen about two or three times a year. What exactly is like a photography scavenger hunt? So it, this was a actually back in the early days of Google Plus. Uh, there was a wonderful lady named uh, Krista Ray, who is a photographer in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, and she just kind of wanted to use the platform to meet new people. So she decided, let's have, let's have this contest. We'll have a, she gave basically the first hunt was she had a list of words, one for every letter of the alphabet. And then she just had people take photos and then they submitted it to her. And then she had this thing called a reveal where they show her everybody's photos. <laughs> and I, I wasn't participating then, but then she, it worked so well that she decided to continue it. And then, uh, so every two or three months she'd have another, um, hunt where the uh, she was given at the time it was ten words. Those words usually there was a color in there, just various random words that not necessarily photo- photographic related. Hmm. And then uh, you have about a month or two months to shoot it. Um, you submit them for judging and then reveals. And there's a huge community of really close knit friends that have built up around that. We've had multiple uh, meetings around the world since then. Oh, nice! But it's it was a great way it was a great way to kind of get involved in something creative with a bunch of people who are also kind of on the same journey. Yeah, I think it's interesting that because uh, when I think scavenger hunt, I think of like a a limited time kind of like okay, we're all going to get together on this day, and here's a list of things we have to go find. You know, I like that it's more open ended and more of just they like kind of give you prompts. Um, that, yeah. that sounds really interesting. The scavenging part of it is really a misnomer uh, because it's really, I mean, there's a lot of created images. A lot of Photoshop goes on with that, <laughs> uh, with the hunt. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in my questions now that you bring up Photoshop, because I love that your style mixes 
a good mix of like uh, real life stuff with toy photography. Have you, do you have a lot of history and experience with something like Photoshop or is that something that you started trying out once you got into toy photography? I've only been using Photoshop for maybe three years now. Hmm. Before that, I mean, I've been using editors of some kind since I was in high school and my high school years were like the early nineties on the first Mac, Mac pluses. <laughs> um, so I was using like Mac paint. Uh, so I kind of been used to drawing and creating stuff. I wasn't very good at it, uh, but I've been using it since then. But when I started with the photography, I was using GIMP mm, as okay. an editor. And then I started an uh, online uh, mentorship program and everyone there was using Photoshop. So I decided to start using Photoshop and then it snowballed from there. <laughs> yeah, funny how that happens. And then once you start using a program that advanced, it's hard to go back to something simple, you know, especially yeah, something it, like paint. You know? It's hard to beat Photoshop. Right. Uh, it really does its job well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's rewind a bit now. And I know that you've written about this before and I wanted you to tell the story on the podcast, you got into toy photography because you didn't want to put on pants. So. That's that's right. Um, putting on pants is very problematic for me. Um, and just for the British, pe- just for the British people in the audience, I mean like trousers, not what they think of as pants. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is actually also related to the scavenger hunt that I was talking about. One of the words um, back in 2012 was candy cane, and at the time I had just had um, my my daughter was born. Um, and she was months old and I was kind of daddy on call. It was kind of late at night. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere to get props or like buy candy canes. So <laughs> I, I decided, I kind of seen uh, a few images, not that many, but a couple images using, um, the, uh, Lego stormtroopers, the minifigs. Um, so I thought I'd do something with that. So my wife was grocery shopping at the time. So she brought home some candy canes and then I set up my very first, uh, toy shoot, which was something I call candy cane forest, which was all the candy canes set up like they were tree trunks. Mm-hmm. And then there, the, uh, stormtroopers, one had an ax and one was uh, piling the chopped up candy canes. So they looked like he was piling, uh, piling like firewood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my very first shot. Nice. That, that's a good first shot. I, I've always been a big fan of that one and a really cool idea. And, and then it just, I'm guessing snowballed from there. Then, uh, how did you, once you, once you did that, were you then just bit by the toy photography bug and were super interested in it or, or what happened next? It kind of snowballed. Um, like I, like I said, I did that for the scavenger hunt and um, a lot of the participants in the hunt are really creative people. Um, and a lot of them are my, my uh, artistic inspiration and heroes. And one of them, when they saw that said, this is the most effing creative thing I've ever seen, <laughs> um, which was incredibly good praise. So I thought, Hey, if they likes that, I'll keep going. So I, for the longest time, I kind of just made it kind of my signature thing in the hunt to, um, do the Lego minifig, uh, photos. Um, and, and for the, for several years, it was just, I just did it basically for my, my uh, scavenger hunt submissions. Oh, okay. Interesting. So when then did you uh, first discover the toy photo community and then get involved with that? Were you surprised to find that there was a big community out there or were you already aware of it? I was not really aware. I mean, I knew there were some toy photographers out there, but it was actually Shelly. Well, kind of Shelly and Avanaut. He posted something on Google Plus and he had some sort of special effect in there. And Shelly responded as a, in a comment to what was going on. And Avanaut doesn't allow comments from everybody, so I couldn't ask him directly. Um, so I pinged... Uh, Shelly offline and said, do you know how to do this effect? It was some blowing snow thing. And so she said, yeah, it's kind of like this thing here. And then she kind of pointed me over to the community. Then I joined the community and the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that since then you've become a bigger part of the community. You've attended the 
Toy Photo Meetup, which we're going to talk about, and you're now a regular contributor on the blog, which which I think is awesome. I think you're a, a great addition to our voices over there, and I've really enjoyed all of your reviews and posts. So, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Once you found the community and started getting involved, how did the blog thing come about, and how did uh, how did those opportunities start coming your way? Well, I've always kind of been a blogger. I have my own blog that uh, I started way back when, just kind of capturing things that go on in my life. Actually, my wife, my fiance at the time, um, told me to start a blog. Um, so I did because when your fiance tells you to do something, you do it. Um, right. <laughs> so I had for, so for years, we've been married for 10 years. So I've been doing the blog for like 13 now. So I've always been blogging. I was kind of interested in writing. It started kind of off as a comment. It was in the community and somebody made some point. I forget what it was actually, but they made some point about some kind of more like a philosophical side of photography, not a, a specific, you know, how do you do this type thing. So I wrote this fairly long comment about my thoughts on on, what, on, the, on the discussion. And then Shelly pinged me and said, that would make an interesting blog post. Do you mind doing so? Do you mind flushing it out into a blog post? So I did. Um, and I liked it. And it kind of slowly grew from there. Yeah, it's funny how just something like that, that you weren't even thinking of it as a, a blog post or, or something and turned into... A blog post itself and then has now s- snowballed into uh, you writing regularly. I think that's really yeah. cool. When she said it, I wasn't even sure I knew what the blog was. I just knew that the community existed. I didn't know there was a blog associated with it. Oh, um, so it was kind of a, I kind of went into it a bit cold in that respect. <laughs> Once you discovered it, what was that like? Were you like, oh my God, there's this big uh, world of, of toy photography blogging I didn't even know about? Yeah, pretty much. Because um, I like blogging. And one of the things I like about blogging is that I can write about whatever uh, is on my mind. And it helps me kind of get my own thoughts in order. Because uh, you have to, if I, I had to explain it coherently to readers, I have to have it coherent in my own head. Um, so I kind of like that process of, uh, I find it very clarifying. So it was really nice to have an audience where I could kind of do that too, that would actually be interested in some, in uh, the topics of toy photography that I wanted to write about. I've noticed that since the rise of social media, blogging itself, I feel like has really died down and not very many people, or at least not as many people are doing personal blogs anymore. Do, do you find that to be the case? And, and what kind of keeps, keeps you going on your personal blog? I think it's true. I think really what kind of killed the blog thing was not so much. Well, well, I think it was kind of related to social media, but when Google Reader went away, and the one of the reasons why it went away was because they thought Google Plus would replace it. Hmm. Uh, when that happened, a lot of people, I think, kind of lost track with all their blogs because they lost a good uh, newsreader. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I kind of I kind of attribute the general demise to that. But as far as my own writing, I keep a blog still mainly because I find writing, depending on what I'm writing, either cathartic or just it's nice to get a view out or my opinion out somewhere, uh, more like a kind of a public journal as opposed to I expect a a big readership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to write about topics that are not toy photography related all the time. Um, So most of my non-toy photo uh, topics go there. Um, And then if I have something toy related, um, I save that for the blog now. Uh, which works just as well because usually I think the audience, most of the readers I have for my blog are really more family and my other photography friends mm-hmm. um, and and geocaching friends. Um, and the toy stuff is more, well, strictly people who are interested in toy photographies. So it's keeping those subjects kind of separate kind of works out because it still targets the audience that probably cares about what the actual post is about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I found that to be the case too when I you know share something toy photo related with family or friends they just kind of 
chuckle and think like, oh, that's that's funny. You lo- you love playing with toys, but then the toy photography community takes it very very seriously, and so um, having that that disparate audience is actually uh, pretty funny and jarring at times. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the details of toy photography. I have a fair amount of friends who are big fans of my work and they like what I do, but they don't necessarily care about the mechanics Hmm. of how I took a a photo or, you know, what does toy photography mean to you, which is something that the uh, toy photographers readers care about, but not everybody else does. They just want to see the work, um, which is fair enough. um, I appreciate a quilt, but I really don't want to see the details of how my <laughs> wife makes one. Um, but so, um, you know, it's, everyone has their own interest uh, levels. But it's, it is it is nice to be able to have a place to um, kind of geek out on toy photography that I can uh, know that the audience will appreciate the things I'm talking about. Were you using, uh, it sounds like you were on G Plus for a while. I want to definitely talk to you about uh, your job at Google, which is awesome, and your history with G Plus. Um, rest in peace, Google Plus. I'm really still bummed yes. about that. Um, Me too. Were, were you using the G Plus platform to help along with your blogging and stuff like that, or, or what initially drew you to G Plus? My exper- experience with G Plus um, goes actually beyond before G Plus actually existed. I do work for Google, and I don't work anything in the product areas. I work in uh, what's called technical infrastructure, so I help write software that runs the data centers. Hmm. Um, so any, pretty much anything that uh, users have used has several layers removed from what I work on day to day. But it was a kind of a corporate-wide meeting that we have once a week called TGIF. And uh, at the time, Vic Gondatra came up. He give, It's a meeting where people give a talk about something that's going on in the company, new products, whatever. The two founders are there, and you can ask them questions. It's kind of like a social gathering. And Vic Gondatra stood up and said, we're going to write this social media thing. We're going to do it in like 100 days, and it's going to be called Google+. And that was kind of like my introduction to what Google+, Plus was. Hmm. Um, and then so I, I was using it as beta before it was ever released, using some features that never actually made it to the final product. And then when it was released, obviously, it was jumped on our first day. Um, and I was just kind of using it more, not really for photography um, at all, uh, but just more because it was kind of the new hotness in the company. And so I just kind of wanted to check it out and see how it was developing. Nice. Has there been, uh, have people at work been talking about the the demise of Google Plus and the, the expiration date on that? Um, a little bit. I mean, a lot of Googlers, uh, like G Plus is kind of a niche product. Mm-hmm. Um, it never really got like mainstream use, which is one of the reasons why they're shutting it down. And that's kind of true with Google it's, uh, with uh, Googlers itself. G, uh, G Plus became popular with like Linux users and photographers and not too many other people. Uh, so there's been some talk, but it's kind of, nobody was overly surprised when it was shut down. Hmm. That's how I felt about the news when I saw it. It kind of felt inevitable, you know, disappointing, but inevitable. So yeah, exactly. And and G plus is actually kind of living on as a, uh, a corporate product. It's Hmm. just not a public product. Um, so it's, it's not completely dead. It's just not publicly available anymore. You mentioned you got into toy photography after you were doing regular photography. Have you found that doing toy photography has influenced your your regular photography at all? Or, or I mean, sometimes I kind of mix the worlds, but in general, I find that my toy photography makes me pickier about my actual photography. Hmm. One of the things I learned on my journey as photography that kind of toy photography kind of cemented in 
was the idea that photography doesn't have to be a reflection of the real world. Uh, the photos can be manipulated and edited and kind of made into the vision of what I see hmm. as opposed to what's actually there. Although there's nothing wrong with taking photos that is true to life, uh, but it doesn't have to be limited to that. And my, my uh, taste as an artist kind of point to the make it more, um, make add my own level of, kind of fantasy and insight into a scene it doesn't have to be realistic and i kind of learned that lesson with toy photography so take i usually take that lesson into my other photography that i do Hmm, interesting so does what does that mean exactly for your regular photography so do you do you add more elements to them or you add more effects to them or, or how does that translate um it it translates in a myriad of ways if you look at my toy photography work there's a lot of post-processing editing um, I like to use a lot of textures. Um, I like to add um, light, really kind of push the uh, the brightnesses and the contrast and the dodging and the burning. And just kind of uh, really kind of direct the eye and, and manipulate the colors to kind of just be my vision. And I kind of do the same with real photos that I take as well. I just try to make them mine and my vision so i think i think i guess i guess the the real answer to the question is a lot of the post-processing techniques get translated back over where they wouldn't really be appropriate if i was trying to go for realistic right uh, but they work if i'm going for artistic so what is a a typical shoot for you like um if you're blending these these real and toy elements in, in a shot what is a typical like from idea to execution to editing it varies dramatically depending on exactly what some some shots i'll have planned for weeks and months ahead of time other plan others will just be i pop it down take a shot and then figure out how to process it days or weeks later hmm. but i would say if you're going to kind of go for the typical usually what it is is i'll grab a figure and i used to shoot lego but i've switched over to uh, action figures lately um yeah, i'll usually here. grab <laughs> yeah i'll grab a figure or two and either if i'm at home it'll be all good my studio which my studio is basically just a desk that's in my office that is basically just dedicated to photography hmm. and has a, um, a couple light stands kind of set up all the time. So it's kind of ready to go. So that, you know, my studio is nothing fancy. Um, it just sounds fancy, um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll set things up. I'll play with the, the action figures, kind of get a pose. Usually that leads to kind of the idea of what the story is going to be. Um, and then pose it, shoot it, usually adding some sort of artificial light if it's in studio, occasionally if it's in, in the field. And then normally I have an idea of what it's going to look like at that point by the time I click the shutter. And then I take it into Photoshop when I get home or or, or whatever, when, I'm, uh, when I get back to the computer. And then I just play with it and add the, the textures and the extra lights and just manipulate it in my own style. That's, that's generally what it is. Um, the exception being um, when I do hunt photos. Because the hunt, one thing I really like about doing the, uh, the scavenger hunt is that it gives you topics that you wouldn't necessarily explore mm -hmm. um so you really don't necessarily at the beginning really have any kind of idea or any kind of notion as to what to shoot and then you come up with you start mulling over ideas and, and that tends to plan more things and oftentimes because you're coming up with this idea cold you might have to actually order props many of my lego and action figures have been ordered specifically to do a hunt photo so as an example the last hunt which was earlier this year, one of the words 
was list. Uh, just the word list, and then you can come up with any photo that kind of related somehow ten- tangentially to the word list. <laughs> the, I did a bunch of brainstorming, and I came up with the idea of like a death list. Oh, nice. It was, it was kind of inspired by... Uh, you know how at the end of a, a end of a year you'll have these are all the celebrities that died in 2017. Mm-hmm. You know those types of things. Yeah, I kind of want to have Yeah, exactly. So, I the, obviously when you when you think about death list, the one of the first things that comes to mind, at least for me, is the Grim Reaper. Um, yep. And I don't have a Grim Reaper figure. I have a Lego figure, but I've the theme for that hunt for me was. Um, doing comic book covers and doing using action figures. So I didn't have an action figure Grim Reaper of any shape or kind. So I had to go order one online. It actually cost me like 70 bucks. It's one of the more expensive uh, action figures that I've owned. So, but I bought it and then I used it for the shot. And it turns out that I've also I've used it for many shots since then. Well, that's good. I was gonna say I've I've bought toys before for shots, and I take I take one photo of it, and then the toy goes on the shelf. <laughs> that's kind I- of what I expected <laughs> to have happen. I mean, it's actually really cool. I'm not sure where I got it from. There aren't that many Grim Reaper um, toys. I, f- I forget exactly where I got it from, but it's really highly detailed. It's got like a cloth robe, and it's like eight nine feet tall or eight eight nine inches tall. Oh wow! But it's it's really kind of an intricate figure. So I figured it'll look good on the shelf, anyways. But yeah, that that's an example of when I've I've know put out some cash for a uh, hunt shot yeah that's really cool i'm looking at the the list shot right now i'll, I'll include it on the blog post because it's it's a really cool shot and i love the, the yeah the, the list he's got here it's <laughs> really good touch yeah and, and it's got my handwriting on it but if you if you zoom in uh you'll see hopefully some uh, famous names in there oh, starting yeah. from like last year and going all the way back uh, I put in names that I recognized because I don't recognize all celebrities that die in a given year, but and I have really bad handwriting. <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> as long as you can read it, that's all that really matters. Going along with the theme of your your own photography, you just wrote a post recently about uh, the rules of your own toy photography universe. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about that. Like, what are the rules? Uh, how have they helped you frame your toy photography? How did you come up with them? Sure. Um, so all of this is your fault um, <laughs> because. Uh, there's a post on toy photographers who want to read the whole thing, but uh, for you know for the readers or for the listeners. But um, the reason why it's your fault is I recall, and I'm not sure if it's actually true or not, that you've asked questions of several people of what kind of rules do uh, of several people you've interviewed of what kind of rules do they follow when they do their own photography? Yeah, yeah, and it's something I think I've written about because I, I never really know the answer for for what I want, you know, in my own work. So I'm always interested to hear what other people think. Right, and the last time you listened to that, I mean, I listened to your podcast just so you're aware um <laughs> i i bike to work like on a pedal bike and it's about a half an hour trip one way and i listen to podcasts along the way um and yours is in obviously in the feed um so oh, i was I, I was biking to work um listening to that and my first reaction was i don't have any rules there's no rules in photography i'll just do what i want but as i was pedaling along um i started thinking no i actually do kind of have some of those rules so i figured it'd be like an interesting uh, blog post to explore and I have, I think, six rules. Uh, the universe I made for myself is called Deimos, D-E-I-M-O-S, which is uh, stands for Dave's Enigmatic Intersecting Multiverse or something. Um, <laughs> which I love, by the way. That's just so great. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just want to say, too, even though you're going to dive into this, it is a really great blog post. I, I encourage people to go check it out on the blog, uh, toyphotographers.com, because it's, it's a really fun read, and you ha- included some great photos with it, and uh, um, I want wanted to expand on it here but i definitely recommend people also read your post about it yeah um yeah it's gonna i am I'm, I'm better at writing than speaking so definitely read it um but it basically boils down to 
I really only have one universe for my stuff. Hmm. Um, so the Star Wars stuff and the Marvel stuff and the the death figure and really the stuff if I go to the beach and take a picture of a moose. Why well, I'm not sure why there'd be a moose at a beach, but random example. All of that is kind of I consider it my own universe, and I feel free to mix and match elements from any of those things and put them anywhere else. Um, that's kind of the the linchpin. But any of those characters that I mix and match, I tend to have them be true to themselves. Hmm. Um, so the, the example I gave in there is Darth Vader. He can very well show up in the in, with a Marvel character and do something, but if he does, he's still going to be a dark wizard guy who's going to you know mess you up if you double cross him <laughs> or uh you know an ewok's going to be a teddy bear no matter what deadpool's well his deadpool's pretty much everything um you know th- those types of things spider-man's going to be kind of a goofy teenage kid mm-hmm. um, all those kind of um those aspects of it and then mixing like i said mixing any of those universes even though some are more unlikely than others like i've never really found a plausible way to mix star wars and marvel in any real true way. Although having said that, I think I did it in the last hunt for, uh, uh, one of the words was community. Um, so I made a Mr. Deadpool's neighborhood cover and it has, de- <laughs> oh, yeah, has I remember dead- that one. Yeah. His Deadpool, Boba Fett, uh, K2SO and a Stormtrooper. Um, so I think that's the only time I've actually mixed star Wars and Marvel. Um, uh, but there's no reason why they can't. And there's no reason why I can't mix Deadpool and Lego. And there's no reason why I can't mix real life and toys. But as long as the characters are kind of, when the characters are placed in that position, they act plausibly to how they would, they are written and kind of constructed in their own universes. Everything else is kind of open. I I like that. I think that's what what I was trying to go for when I originally wrote my piece was that while I I too like to mix and match things and and make, I think there's a lot of power in, in showing an unexpected scenario as well you know but when it comes to making the rules i definitely want to try to at least respect the the characters like you said as they were created or as they were written and i think that helps kind of frame the the photos or the stories that you're trying to tell right i think it also helps the the reader or the i guess the viewer um, understand that if you have a character that's normally kind of our sarcastic joker and you put him in a photo that he's going to be a sarcastic joker in the photo or if it's random example for my desktop thor he's going to be kind of like a very stoic very loyal kind of person ready to fight but doesn't really have a sense of humor Mm. um so it kind of it kind of helps fill in the blanks of the story you're kind of telling because the characters are going to act in the way that people expect the characters to act Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. That's that's what I try to do too. What What are some of the other rules of of uh, Deimos? Let's see here. Well, there's no rule three. Um, <laughs> uh, character behaviors follow their own established canon. Like I said, uh, Vader will always be Vader. Tony Stark will always be a genius bil- billionaire playboy philanthropist. Ewoks will be Yubnub. Uh, the character's actions must be plausible to their character. So if Captain America shows up in the Star Wars universe, he's going to be kind of a Boy Scout goodie boy. Um, if Darth Vader shows up delivering pizza, you better tip him well. Um, <laughs> uh, mixing Lego and action figures are perfectly fine. Um, in fact, the uh, photo from that is from the Oregon Toy Safari, which I'm actually kind of proud of because I took it in my hotel room one morning when I had jet lag. <laughs> um, and then humans and toys totally mix. Toys are part of my life, um, so there's no reason why they can't be in the photos that um, are part of my life as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that you include your, yourself in, in a lot of your toy shots. I think that it's always funny to see and, and see the, the, the way that you blend the two so that the toys look realistic or, or you make yourself smaller so that your toy size, I, just, I think that's a really cool touch and not something I see a lot of people do, actually. Yeah, a lot of that's um, actually... Everything in my life, uh, photography-wise, relates back to the hunt. Um, so um, if you talk to me about this stuff, it'll always go back to the hunt. And one of the people in the hunt, his name's Mark Rodriguez, um, and he's an incredibly, insanely talented guy. He's one of those guys that no matter how good you are at being a photographer and being an artist, he always makes you feel like you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> he's the nicest guy in the world, but... One of his major art things that he does is self-portraiture. You do yourself a favor by checking out his work. GodriguezArt.com, I believe is his website. Um, he does amazing self-portraiture work. And so I kind of got inspired to do my own self-portraiture work, trying to emulate his style. Hmm. Um, and with some success, he still blows me out of the water, but um, I've learned a lot from him in the process. And then after a while, I realized that I can merge my, both of these genres do not have to be mutually exclusive. And I can add my self-portraiture in with the toys and make kind of unique art between them and use the toys to kind of add some symbolism or some humor into the self-portraiture. And so they're, they, they blend really well. In addition to, to writing for the blog and writing blog posts, you also have done reviews, like a set reviews. Yep. Let's talk about that because I, I've done a bunch of reviews as well, and I, I find that they tend to, I tend to think of them differently when I'm photographing for a review than when I'm just photographing for myself. Have you found that to be the case? How have reviews kind of changed the way that you go about taking a photograph, or have they at all? In a way they do, in the way they, they don't. Um, first of all, I, repro I approach reviews from a third-party perspective. Sometimes um, our community is kind of given Lego sets to review mm -hmm. from Lego, but I don't consider myself beholden to talk up their product. So, uh, which I, I suspect is probably true of everybody that does reviews for toyphotographers.com. Uh, but just so you, everybody knows, I don't feel the need to be their spokesperson, so I will tell it like it is. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do try to find... Because I think anytime you do a review, a critique, which is basically a review is just a critique, I try to find the good and the bad. So I'm always looking for good and the bad. And sometimes it's pretty hard to find the good in some sets, especially when you're looking at it from the point of view of photographers. Mm -hmm. um, like the very first review I did was the set that I bought. It was the uh, Octu set with uh, Luke and um, Ray mm -hmm. from uh, uh, the last Star Wars movie. Oh, last um, Jedi, yeah. Yeah, and I bought it, and it was great as a set. And I helped my son build it. Um, he helped actually helped me with the review. He built it. You know, I helped him. And as a plaything, it was fantastic. But the second I brought out my camera, I saw all the flaws that made it less desirable from a photography perspective. So that's that's a, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at the toys. I find is looking at it from a photographer perspective is totally different than looking at it from the play perspective. Right. Um, so sometimes reviews, it's a great set, but it just doesn't work for photography. But when I, I find when I do reviews, I always want to get like the product shot mm -hmm. and they never turn out for me like ever. Um, and I don't know why, uh, but they don't. So I always end up using, I always take some shots that are like my art that, um, so I can say, this is the art that I created with this model. Um, so I, that's, that's, those are the shots I tend to use for the reviews. 
Um, but sometimes it's hard to come up with ideas, especially if it's a set that was kind of offered to me to review as opposed to one I bought. Because uh, if I bought it, I have a purpose for it. So I have a, a shot in mind. But if it's given to me, I don't necessarily have that connection. Hmm. So it can take a long time to kind of build up that inspiration to finally get that shot. Um, sometimes. Other times, like when I, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to review the uh, Age of Ultron Hulkbuster model which is a fantastic model. Um, but the second I built that thing, I had like five different shots in my head of things I could do. <laughs> uh, then I got the uh, Walker from uh, the last uh, Star Wars movie. And that one took a long time for me to kind of come up with an idea. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you don't really have, if you're not inspired to take art, it can be very, it feels like work to get that inspiration. Mm -hmm. But uh, so far I've been able to come up with decent stuff. Yeah. I, I have felt the same way about doing uh, toy reviews, especially like you said, the, uh, you have to really frame it. Okay. I'm not just reviewing it as a, as a toy or as a Lego set. I'm reviewing it for photography purposes. Cause it's, you know, for a photography blog. But I, I think, it, I think you've done a really good job with that in your reviews is, is telling it like it is with, from that photographic angle. And, and I think that's something that our readers definitely appreciate and something that we try to strive for on the blog like you said we're not just praising everything that we're given or everything that we get we're actually reviewing them and giving our honest opinions which is the most important thing yeah like when, I, when we do the reviews what uh the, when the, somebody reads the review they want to know should i buy this set or not right um so it's that there's there's money on the line based on your opinion and in my day job um, a lot of what i do is critical anal analysis thinking um i look at i look at a, and i have no problem i've completely divorced personal feelings from my opinions of a thing um which is sometimes hard to do uh for some people but i can i can easily break down and critique and that's what i do all day long is look at something and say find what's good what's bad um for my day job it's how is this going to break and how can i keep it from breaking that way so it doesn't break google hmm. um but when it comes to toys that that mindset's the same way as i look at it and say how can how is this good photography wise? How is it bad photography wise? Um, and looking at everything from with its Lego, like build quality, um, how realistic is it? Um, how flexible is it? Um, all those types of things. Uh, so for me, I find it very easy to kind of write the text. Um, that's usually not the problem. It's coming up with some supporting images that sometimes is the um, harder thing. Hmm. Yeah, especially if it's a set that you didn't really like. Yes, I mean, I mean, sometimes it's a little hard to write it respectfully that you don't like it. I mean, I don't like to just trash something. I think that's there's you know nice ways of saying things and right. mean ways of saying things. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I try to let you know let them down gently. You did a, a shoot for Lego Dimensions this year as well. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that. How did how did that come about, and uh, what was that process like? And I'll have some follow up questions, but let's start there. How did how did that come about? So I was called basically out of the blue by somebody. Um, I think they were talking to people in the toy photography community about getting some photos taken, and they offered it to a couple other people in the community, and they all declined um, for various reasons. So they called me. Um, and I said, sure, why not? I'll take photos for you. Because <laughs> um, it's always been a kind of a dream of mine to shoot for Lego. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what they wanted was uh, a, a series of photos that they could use for the Instagram feed. And they uh, Lego Dimensions, if you don't know, because I didn't know until they actually called me, is uh, it's actually a computer game. 
where they mix a lot of the characters. So you have Harry Potter beside DC guys, beside Powerpuff Girls, beside the Ghostbusters, you know, kind of this mishmash of all the pop cult, the pop culture characters. And uh, they have a video game that you can play all these guys in this world. Um, and they wanted photos of those characters um, for their Instagram feed. So I took 10 photos for them. First five were Halloween themed. Last five were kind of like Christmas holiday themed. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was a very interesting process. It was much more involved than I expected it to be. Yeah. I wanted to ask about, cause I've done some product shots for them too. And it's like you said, it's a dream come true on, on one end, but then it's also, it's very different than just doing your, your normal toy photography. Uh, how have you found doing like a, a a product shoot for a company like that different than doing something for yourself? Well, there's, there's kind of two differences. The first kind of surprise, I guess, through this process, after I kind of agreed to say I'd do it, was that they wanted all their concepts pre-approved before you took the shots. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And that was odd for me. They also wanted everything in Instagram to be square, which is not surprising because Instagram is square. But I am not used to thinking square at all. So I first came up with a bunch of concepts. And the fact that they wanted them kind of pre-approved is not overly surprising, especially considering that because there's so many different character types, if you do a Harry Potter besides a ghostbusters beside a sonic the hedgehog when you go to release they go to release it on instagram they have to go to um harry potter people and ghostbusters people and sonic the hedgehog people to all get approval mm. to post it because it's all their intellectual property mm -hmm. so having a kind of pre-approved ahead of time saves a lot of hassle on the back end oh that makes um, sense so so once i understood that i really understood why they were wanting that because apparently if you take a harry potter shot jk rowling herself approves it Oh, nice. <laughs> so an interesting fact, I was told to stay away from Ethan Hunt because Tom Cruise himself has to approve Ethan Hunt photos. Um, <laughs> um, and I didn't know this at first. So I came up with a bunch of ideas that didn't, didn't work out because of that. So there's kind of an iterative process I wasn't expecting just to come up with an ideas to shoot. And then I found out that they wanted them square, which again makes sense because it's Instagram, but I wasn't really into Instagram at the time. And I knew that they accepted different formats. So I was thinking my normal view, especially at the time, was a four by six format um, landscape mm -hmm. orientation. So all my concepts were four by six landscape orientated concepts. So then I had to massage those into a square, which is not, I mean, it's not that difference resolution wise, but it's a big difference in terms of composition. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I learned, by the way, is um, if you want to do square, um, what I was, what I did was, uh, you know, the, uh, the rule of thirds grid, mm -hmm. uh, for photos, um, I had that displayed on my, the back of my camera and then oh, I just nice. composed the shot to fit in two of those squares. Um, <laughs> and then that made it square, at least square enough to, uh, um, so when I cropped it, it was fine. So the free tip for you. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah. So after you submit them, they go through a review process and they come back with feedback and it was written in the contract. They can only do that twice. Um, so some of the, some of the shots were like, that's awesome. The first time, some of them took a while to, uh, to go through what they wanted. And the thing I found most difficult was that I'm very used to shooting my vision mm -hmm. and what my vision was didn't necessarily match what they wanted. Like they wanted very clear lines, very, uh, properly exposed, very clean photos. And if you look at my work, um, I don't really do clean lines and I don't do, Clear, clean clear lines i'm i'm very much a rough texture kind of guy mm -hmm. um so it it was kind of it was very hard to kind of break out of 
what I wanted to do and kind of fit my processing style to what the client wanted. Right. Um, so that, that took a, that took a bit of uh, mental um, gymnastics to get in that frame of mind. Yeah. It's a good lesson to learn. And next time this happens, I'll have a much better, uh, hopefully it'll happen again. Um, uh, it'll ha- I'll have a much better idea of how the industry works, mm-hmm. which is a big, which is a big part of this. And then, so I'll be able to walk in knowing exactly what to expect. And I think that's the thing that really challenged me when I was shooting there. It was, they weren't really asking crazy things, but they were asking things I didn't expect. So it always threw me for a loop. So I was kind of always on edge. Hmm. Um, so the next time I went, uh, or next time I go through it, I'll already know what those edge cases are and those things I don't expect. I now expect them. So I'll be able to, there won't be surprises anymore. And I'll just be able to work within the system. So if Lego's out there listening to this, I'm professional. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I am too. Um, I'm, I'm here too. I'm a photographer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave and James of photography. We're here to, uh, Market your product. Right, absolutely. We'll have our we'll have our <laughs> social media handles at the end of the show. You guys can find us. <laughs> Let's talk about the Oregon Toy Photo Safari. You brought that up. Sure. Um, I I can't believe that was what six months ago already. It's time yeah. really flies. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> you you traveled across the country for that. Um, yep. I, I want to talk to you. Was that your your first? So that was your first toy photo meetup, not your first in person photography meetup. Um, yeah, that's right. How did it go? Um, what did what was it like traveling across the country to meet all these toy photographers you'd never met before? Uh, let, let's dive into it. So going across the country and meeting people I'd never met before is not actually new to me. <laughs> um, the uh, like I said, the scavengers told you to come back to scavengers. They had a meetup in Vegas, and the first time I didn't really know any of them. I knew my wife, and I really went to kind of support my wife. Um, so there was like 150 of these amazingly talented people in Vegas. I show up. Um, and by the end of the weekend, we're all like all friends and that's happened several times in the scavenger stuff. So going across the country and talking to a bunch of uh, photographers was not really that scary to me. Hmm. Uh, cause I've been that rodeo. It was very unique going to see toy photographers. Uh, it's a, it's there, while there are a lot of toy photographers, it's still incredibly niche. Um, there's not a yeah. lot of us out there uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so it was really nice to walk into a room the very first day and see a bunch of people just geeking out about toys. Um, <laughs> that part was really great. Yeah. Something that doesn't really happen day to day for, for us photographers, you know, unless you, I know that there are a lot of people that live in close proximity to other toy photographers and do regular meetups or hang out and stuff like that. But I think generally for, for most of us, we were kind of isolated from, from each yep. other. So having that opportunity to, to meet and hang out and, and just bond over toys and, and be surrounded by people who are interested in the same thing you are is, is really, really fun and really different than just your day-to-day photography life. Yeah, it is. And I, and I've made some friends like, uh, Brett Wilson, uh, him and I bonded, um, over Tim Tams. So, uh, like a friend that I would not have made otherwise. The other thing that it really kind of gave me was confidence to shoot toys in public. Hmm. I was never, I was always a bit self-conscious um, occasionally I'd say, you know, what the hell? And I'd go for it. Um, but I was kind of always self-conscious, especially when I started getting into action figures and I had to like set up actual shots and it would take a while to pose them and get them set up. So it wasn't like a quick pull out a thing, take a shot and put it away again. Right. And pretend um, like no one saw you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, doing the toy photography thing, uh, the toy photography, uh, safari, and being around other people who were kind of already confident enough to do that has instilled confidence my own confidence to do that 
So I, I, I mean, it still kind of feels somewhat self-conscious, uh, but I get over it much more quickly. And so I've been able to take photos. Some of my recent photos, if you follow my Instagram, uh, with Hulk and Deadpool, uh, some of those were taken in Zurich and uh, Milan because I was there for work. And I was just walking around and said, hey, that's a cool shot. Pulled out Hulk and Deadpool from my camera bag because everyone carries a Hulk and a Deadpool in the camera bag <laughs> and set them up. And it took a while. And then it ended up being like people would, laugh, would walk by and say, that's really interesting or take photos of me taking photos of it because it's kind of novel but it uh it really kind of gave me the self gave me this help give me the self-confidence to you know kind of be that weird guy who's doing that thing uh, out in public um right yeah I, I have felt that kind of nervousness and anxiety about that as well and yeah shooting i think being around other toy photographers and and you know all those meetups are outdoors and we're in public and i think that strength in numbers is really helpful there but i i like that even going home and doing it by yourself you have that newfound confidence i haven't quite gotten that yet myself even though i've been to two or three of these toy photo safaris now but uh that's cool that you that you've got that yeah it's uh it's uh it was one of the nicer takeaways from the uh i mean it was unexpected takeaway as well yeah any other um unexpected takeaways or fun stories from the safari that you want to share on the podcast? Well, it was, I mean, like I said, it was, it was great hanging out with a bunch of people. I didn't know. Um, I got into action figure photography more because of the safari hmm. um, father's figures who some readers or listeners may be familiar with. He's a, a really good action figure photographer and watching him set up shots and uh, he gave me some tips on how to use wire, which I've shared in some of my blog posts on the Tour Photographer's blog. So um, read those if you want to know how to take uh, action figure shots. All of that's thanks to knowledge I gained from Father's Figures. Um, but just kind of stepping outside of my own box mm. and getting a chance to look at, getting a chance to dig into other people's uh, toy boxes and grab stuff. Because when I, when I went to the toy, I had one action figure. It was a Terminator. And then I bought a Gandalf. And that was the only action figures I had going to the safari. But I was able to borrow other people's stuff, and I came away with some really interesting shots. So that, doing that was nice because uh, at, at the time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to invest in uh, action figures. I wasn't sure if it was my thing because mm-hmm. uh, I was doing Lego for so long. And it just gave me the, the confidence that, yeah, it's something I want to do. And then it encouraged me to, to expand my own action figure collection when I got home so I could make my own shots and keep making them. And it's been going that way ever since why did you choose lego as a subject in the beginning have you always been a fan of lego or did you like lego as a kid it was basically um there at the time hmm. uh, i mean i was a huge fan of lego as a kid like a massive 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 fan i was playing with lego in my basement when i was in grade 12 <laughs> then when i went to college i put the lego away i kept it all because i knew someday i'd have kids and they want to play with it um which i've been able to since then my son zeke lego collection started because it was the toys i played with so it was there when i wanted to take that um candy cane for a shot so it was there and then it just kind of was easy just to kind of keep in that genre i guess of toys hmm. um plus uh the, the there's not because it's kind of nice things about lego it's it's harder to get emotion out of them mm-hmm. because they don't they don't flex that well um and it, they're cheap uh compared to action figures and then the other thing I noticed when I got into action figures is that not all the accessories are interchangeable. Yeah. Um, but with Lego, they're, you know, 100% interchangeable. So you, the flexibility, you, you don't need as many things to have a much wider variety of options for building up a scene with Lego as you do with um, action figures. But I just stuck with Lego because it was just my thing. And I just, I think really, if you've really come down to it, 
what it comes down to is I tend to get really singly focused on something and then don't like to change hmm. because change is bad and <laughs> scary. Uh, so I got into Lego, so I stuck with Lego and I didn't want to change. Um, and then eventually I just kind of decided to, mainly because of the Safari, I wanted to kind of force myself to do something else. And then when I did that, change wasn't so scary and I kept on going. What do your kids think of, of you doing toy photography? Are they into it? Do they ever are, you know, do they like it? Do they think it's fun? What, how's that? They do. They're not, they're not like super photographers. Um, they, they have both have cameras and they'll play with them from time to time. They've both helped me take, uh, toy photography shots. I think they kind of like it. Um, they think, they think it's neat, especially, you know, cause daddy now has, you know, he plays with toys too. Mm-hmm. Um, Although my collection is totally separate from the kids' collection, and they never touch my stuff. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Although we do share, and some of my my Lego stuff has ended up in their toy box when I didn't want it anymore. But in general, um, they've both helped me. Um, one of my shots that I took is of Lego. Uh, it's a Lego shot with uh, Luke Skywalker in his yellow or orange flight suit, and he's facing off against an AT-AT that's kind of lost in the snow, and it's just kind of coming through a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Adam, that shot, my son was i used flour to make the snow and my son was the one that blew the flour to make the shot oh nice um, so they they've helped me many many times so is my wife actually uh my wife has helped me many many times actually i've recruited my wife to help me get action figures as well um she's uh, very handy but, but yeah so basically everyone's kind of supportive the kids the, the kids i think they just realize i've always been doing it since they were born so it's not like something that's weird or unusual and I think they're not old enough to be embarrassed by dad um, yet. <laughs> so it's working out well in my favor. 2018 has been a really big year for you, it seems like, ph- photography-wise. Um, did you have any big creative goals this year um, that you that you have met or are striving to meet in, for the rest of the year? How is, uh, what's the rest of the year look like for you? Like goals for this year, one of the things I really wanted to do was come up with a series of photos because I've never really done a series of photos um and it started off me i wanted to do a series of photos that were based off of world war ii like uh battlefield shots so kind of black and white and kind of grainy and really dramatic but it turned out my project ended up being the millennium falcon build which is on my instagram if you want to see it but i built the big uh, millennium falcon set uh, yeah i'm really jealous (laughs) i I finally i finally got to buy it i've wanted it since like october and it's been sold out until like last february and i wanted to buy it just you know, cause it's the coolest thing. And then I finally got it and then I was able to build it and take all those shots that people seem to enjoy. So, um, that's also nice. So I would be able to get that series under my belt. So I feel really good about that for the rest of the year. I'm kind of tapped out goal wise. Um, <laughs> I have, I have some shots I want to do, but nothing really serious. And if I don't do those shots, I'm not overly worried about it. Uh, but there's also only like two months left in the year. Um, yeah, it's crazy. In 2019, I really, I really don't have any strong goals. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, of course. I ha- I'd like to do some things I've done this year, like do some more Lego reviews and stuff like that. I'm going to be doing a fair amount of traveling. I'll be going to Photoshop World um, twice this year, to, which is a really nice way for me to get inspiration. Hmm. So it's going to be – and I'm going to Disney World for the first time. Don't tell my kids. They don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, tell them not to listen to this episode. <laughs> don't listen to this episode. I mean, they don't listen to these things anyways. They're, right. they're, eight, they're eight and six. They're interested in princesses and Minecraft. So uh, I think my secret's safe. Um, so it's a lot of traveling and a lot of kind of – just exploring the world which i think will be will be fun and that will lead to inspiration as i go along
to wrap up, I wanted to ask, do you have any kind of advice you can give to people just starting out in photography? Any lessons you've learned along the way, especially this year was such a busy year for you photography-wise. Any, anything you can say to, to new photographers or, or people interested in learning more? Um, there's a couple pieces of advice I would give. One is don't limit yourself to toy photography, um, especially in terms of learning technique. I've learned that everything applies to toy photography. Uh, portrait shooting applies to toy photography. Um, landscapes apply to toy photography. Product shooting applies to toy photography. So if you're looking for how to do something, looking up in those areas help will help you gain the skills needed to shoot toys because uh, they directly relate. The only difference is scale. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And scale is very easy to work with uh, for a large number of things because it's all in camera. So it's just how much you zoom in. Um, that's that's how you deal with scale. So it's that. The other thing is the lesson that really changed me from a guy who took photos to what I feel is a actual artist type um, of some competency um, is that you own the picture and you're responsible for everything that's in the picture as the as the photographer. So make it your own. You don't have to worry about necessarily all the proper techniques or making it look just like the way somebody else did or way somebody else would appreciate make it your own if that means spending a lot of time in camera doing it that's fine if that means doing it in photoshop and editing things that's fine but make it your own it is your um, expression to the world of you and that toy and so just own it and deliver it and don't worry about what other people are going to think and uh i think you're People will grow a lot faster because even it, it kind of sounds harsh. Um, I think sometimes to not worry about what other people think, but what it does is it gives you the freedom to experiment in the way that feels right to you, mm -hmm. and that is real. That is really, in my opinion, the way you really move forward as an artist. Where can people find your work online? What What is the link to your blog and uh, your social media feed? Um, well, I have a really long last name, so don't. Well, if you look up my last name, you'll find me, but. Um, my website is studiodave.ca, and that has a bunch of my photos and also has links to my social media. If you want to shortcut that, um, look for my name on uh, Facebook, Dave DeBearMaker. I'm sure there'll be links in the show notes. Yeah. Um, uh, my Instagram is just the real Studio Dave, and yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm pretty much in those places. Um, I'm starting to be other places like MeWe, uh, but those are the places where you'll be able to find me at least initially, and then we can go from there. And of course, the uh, toy photography community, if you're in that, um, I'm, I'm there too. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. I'm James Garcia. You can find my work every single week at toyphotographers.com, as well as on Twitter at TheRealJames, real spelled R-E-E-L, on Instagram at TheRealJames23, and on my website, TheRealJames.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week.